Welcome to Guess the Year. I'm the host. My name's Mike. Today we've got six deadheads from around the country competing for a prize pack provided by Looks Legit and a spot in next week's show. Looks Legit is run by a multidisciplinary artist named Justin who draws incredible prints in addition to doing bootleg tees. His art incorporates nostalgic pop culture figures, musicians, countercultural icons, comic book characters, psychedelia, and graffiti. Thank you so much to Looks Legit. I'll put all their links in the show notes. As always, our prize pack provider was handpicked by at from the lot. Thank you so much, Mason. And of course, thank you, Justin. All right, here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track, and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year the performance is from. Contestants, who are all in video chat to prevent any possibility of cheating, can submit their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two deaded standing will have a best of three series to determine a winner. We've got a returning champion, Todd, here with us, and we'll meet the rest of the Deadheads in a moment. But first, let's hear the first song. Without further ado, The Grateful Dead. Fashion my keys on Main Street. Chicago, New York, Detroit, and it's all Machine Street. Your typical city involved in a typical daydream. Hang it up and see what you're marveling. Dallas got a self machine. Houston, too close to New Orleans. New York got the ways and means. But just won't let you be. Oh, no, no. Got you meet on the streets of true love. Most of the time they're sitting in a crowded hall. Only the thing that they better be going out of the door and down the street alone. Chucking like the two dumb man who once stole me, you got to pay your hand. Sometimes time is worth a dime if you don't. Right, the guesses are in. It was trucking at Baltimore Civic Center on April 19th, 1982. The single version of the song was edited down from five minutes to three minutes, and Bob Weir's vocals were touched up. So Todd was closest, our returning champ. He is 52, and he's from Richmond, Virginia. Todd, you actually got it exactly, 1982. How'd you uh, suss that out? Um, so I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia. I live in Wilmington, North Carolina now, uh, on the beach, which is awesome. Um, wow. I'm psyched. I got it spot on. It definitely sounded like the early eighties. It didn't sound like the mid eighties where, uh, Jerry's kind of really big with a deep, deep voice and his guitar is real heavy also. And it wasn't clean enough to be a recording from later in the eighties. Most of the recordings are a lot cleaner. 
So it sounded like 1982 because Jerry's not nearly as crisp as he is in 80 and 81. He's really, really crisp and tight and this was looser. But the giveaway, the dead giveaway is Brent's Hammond organ. It's got a really distorted edge to it. And he's really kicking it into a lot of the pockets really, really heavy. Uh, there was an 82 that played this week on uh, Sirius XM. It might've been one of Rob Bleedstein's shows, uh, which I checked out and I'm psyched I did because I recognized the, the overall sound quality. So I'm psyched. Thanks, Todd. You're on to the next round. Okay, so next closest was Mike. He guessed 1981. Mike is 41 and he's from Philly. Mike, you submitted your answer in like 25 seconds. Um, yeah. Yeah, what'd you yeah. hear? It's got that kind of like small theater or like it's not a stadium vibe of like the late 80s right it's got that kind of mix you know i think uh what's her name um cantor had left at by that time or like healy had come on at some point um so there, there was a change in the in the soundboards around that time uh from like late 70s to early 80s and i could just kind of kind of sussed it out there whoa so it, just the personnel change and they had different like idiosyncrasies to them and yeah like a healy recording is not a betty Cantor jackson recording you know would you say one's better or worse or is it just like just no it's just they're just capturing different times you know that's a very interesting way to figure it out nice work mike you're on in the next round cool thanks so ben guessed 1981 ben is 19 and he's from toronto our first canadian and our and the second youngest contestant ever on Guest of the Year advances to um, the second round. Ben, welcome. What'd you hear? Obviously, Brent on the keyboard was a giveaway that it was um, that era. Um, and then I kind of find with the early 80s stuff with Brent, it, I don't want to say, I don't know if saying that it's a little bit quieter and not as up in your face is the right way to describe it, but I can almost feel it's like a softer sort of playing. He's kind of just hanging back jerry's voice too you could tell it was you know early 80s um and yeah that that was i just kind of got that vibe of the early 80s so nice work welcome all right barry is also on in the next round barry is 42 and from new jersey he guessed 1980 barry why'd you guess 1980 um i was having trouble finding what exactly i was grasping onto but I kept going back to Bobby's voice and he sounded real chipper. It's not like nineties, but it wasn't hot. His voice wasn't high enough to be like seventies. And I couldn't hear Jerry at all for some reason. And I was listening for Brent. I knew it wasn't Keith. I was like, I'm listening for Brent, but like, I couldn't quite picture him playing like what he would be playing. So I just like took a shot in the dark. Like that was, I was kind of like, guess. I was just like, I think it's in this time period. Hopefully I'm not too far off. So a big clue there was that Bobby was in a good mood. He seemed, he seemed real <laughs> up. He seemed, he was firing on all cylinders. That's awesome. So yeah, man. Barry, you're on the next round. So we're down to two. Josh guessed 1985. Sully guessed 1987. So Sully is departing. Josh is moving on to the next round. First, Josh, you guessed 1985. Josh is 43s from Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, and, how's it going? Hey, what did you hear there? Uh, definitely heard, uh, Brent on the Hammond. Um, my initial was, was early eighties, but then I, I started like listening to Jerry's vocals where it seems like he kind of has that nasally thing that he had in the mid eighties. So I kind of went with, I went with the 85 thinking it was, was closer to that. And I probably should have just gone with my first kind of 
inclination, what was with which was not right when Brent came in, but a little bit after where he's kind of warmed up. But I'm I'm mad at myself. I didn't get it closer. You guys, you guys are good. <laughs> hey, well, you have another shot in the next round to <laughs> to hit it head on. Thanks. Sully, though, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Sully. Sully is 55. He's from East Brunswick, New Jersey. Sully, you guessed 1987. What tripped you up there? Yeah, I, I mean, it's the first year I started seeing shows, and Jerry's guitar sounded like that kind of vibe to me. I, I, I'm surprised it was that far off, though. Um, I knew it was the 80s right off the bat, but like sometimes with the early 80s, it's got like that tinny kind of sound almost. There's like that from like, it's like higher, I don't know how to describe it, higher pitch. <laughs> and it sounded a little deeper. So that's why I went with 87. So how did you get into the dead? I uh, I was in college and I was at a, a record store when they had them. And uh, there was a, a bargain bin of cassette tapes. And I just happened to grab the the cover looked cool it was the skeletons from the closet cover looked cool and i was like yeah you know i'll give this a try and i i listened to it and um i just couldn't get enough of it i was like wow this is really cool let me then the next one i got was oxo uh oxo amoxo <laughs> i can never say that right oxo amoxoa and and then i was like oh yeah and then once i heard trying to catch sunflower game on uh so yeah i've been a deadhead for since uh, 86-ish. Well, seeing shows in the 80s may have skewed your guesses, I guess, but uh, at least you got to see shows in the 80s, so you come out on top there. Sully, thanks so much for playing the game. Yeah, yeah, thanks. All right. Mike, Ben, Josh, Todd, and Barry are all on to the next round. Let's play the next song. Since it cost a lot to win and even more to lose, you and me better spend some time wondering what to choose. Goes to show you don't ever know. Watch each card you play and play it slow. Deal at Grand Prix Racecourse in New York on July 28, 1973. 600,000 fans watched the dead perform at Watkins Glen. Also on the bill were the band and the Allman Brothers. 
Our returning champ, Todd, got it exactly. 1973, he was the only one to get it. He is on to the next round. Nice work, Todd. How'd you figure that one out? Um, initially, I thought it was actually going to be a weird 1975 thing. Uh, the audio quality of that uh, was, was pretty interesting. The instruments were buried really low. Uh, it was a casual laid back intro section. So you couldn't hear who was doing too much, too much. Uh, and then Jerry's vocals were through the roof. I immediately jumped back to 73 when I heard Bob Weir's uh, rhythm guitar, very clean, plucky line notes behind everything, doodle it that sort of, sort of joining uh, the bass and the other guitar, Jerry's guitar together with a very clean tone. Uh, but it didn't seem like 1974 because Jerry's tone gets extraordinarily clean in 74. And this still sounded kind of plunky. Uh, so I wrote down 1973 and, and uh, crossed my fingers. Is 74 when Jerry's tone was its cleanest? Or would you say it's like 77 or something? You know, it depends. I actually think it would be 74. In 74, he was basically playing the guitar through a massive stereo hi-fi. Uh, he had a Fender Twin as his pre-amplifier, but his amplifier was the wall of sound. It's this massive, massive, super, super high quality audio. Uh, so he had very little gain and it's extraordinarily clean. He also was developing his technique where he rolls up onto the tips of his fingers to get a clean sound. So it's just super articulate in 1974. It's a combination of how he plays and sort of the stereo system effectively that, that his amp is coming through. Thanks. Great answer. Appreciate it. So Todd's on the next round. Joining him as the next closest was Barry, who guessed 1972. Only one year off, Barry. Very close. Pretty much got it. What'd you, uh, what'd you hear there? Um, I was actually waiting for Donna to like uh, back him up a little. And, and when she didn't come in, come in, I was like, I was like, oh, like it doesn't sound like er like early, early 70s, late 60s or whatever. I'm not sure when Deal uh, started getting played. And um, it obviously doesn't sound like anything after, you know, late 70s. So I just kind of like every time I've been listening to an episode and I'm like, what year is this from? It's always from 72. So I was like, <laughs> give it a shot. <laughs> see, if, uh, see if this makes sense. So I was one year off. Yeah, it's a safe guess. Because it is right in the middle there if you're playing the game. So nice work playing the game. You're on to the next round. So we had two people guess 71, Mike and Josh, which means uh, Ben's odd man out. But we'll uh, let's talk to Mike first. Mike, you guessed 71. Uh, why 71? Yeah, I heard the, the kind of uneven levels. Um, I should have thought summer 73. But I heard the uneven levels, and I, I was thinking – like, you know, fall 71, when, when Godshaw had just joined, it might have been like an off show or something. Um, but yeah, no, it's a summer jam at, uh, at Watkins Glen. Great choice there. It seems like you're really tuned into the boards. Are you like a sound engineer of some sort? I wish I was. No, I'm in corporate HR. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think you're zeroed in on the board so much then? You know, uh, Honestly, I've got a copy of that Deadheads taping compendium, like the first one. There was three volumes. I, I read that religiously for years from like, it's like 60, it's like 59 to to the break in 74. And and there's just a lot of info in there. So I'm like book smart on the dead, if, if you will. 
Um, and there's two other volumes of it that are just real lots and lots of info of who was recording and what happened at that show and really, really cool publication. Wow. And that's like an encyclopedia type thing, or is it like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really, okay. it really is. It's like, there's a, there's a recording in there that they, uh, mentioned it's San Mateo 59. It's like Phil Lesh's jazz band or something. Someone, someone coughed up a recording of that at some point and that was circulating. Holy shit. Yeah. It's out there somewhere. Well, shout out to that book. That's really sweet, Mike. You're on yeah, the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Well, oh yeah, Josh, you also got 71. I did. Yeah, what'd you uh, get there? I, well, I was again, I was waiting for the vocals to come in, like the backing vocals to try to figure out what year that was. That that kind of helps me, but I just thought it it sounded uh, you know, definitely 70s, early 70s. Um, I don't know. I just took a guess. You guys I don't I don't know. Cool. Josh, you're on to the next round. Ben, uh, you guessed 1976. Sorry to see you go. Uh, why, why 76? What tripped you up there? Yeah, I was I was hovering anywhere from 74 to 77. Definitely not hearing the background vocals trip me up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I just kind of took the latter end on that one, and Jerry sounded really good. He did pretty much a lot of the time in that era, so it was a little hard to distinguish, but yeah. Well, you were three years off. You had exactly the right idea. Um, and you mentioned before the show, you've only been listening to The Dead for one year. Yeah, yeah. Very impressive. How'd you get into The Dead? Yeah, it all happened pretty organically. You know, I was kind of getting tired of uh, the mainstream music that, you know, people my age listen to. Uh, kind of felt like there was no variety. I'd get bored of it really quickly. And I just, you know, my dad's a rock fan. He's not, you know, a deadhead or... but. You know, I started kind of looking into the music and I always kind of heard the name Grateful Dead and I finally decided to give it a listen. I went on Spotify and I I had no really idea like about live music. I didn't know that live music was something that could, you know, really be enjoyed because the live music that gets played nowadays, it's kind of, you know, it's not something you'd listen to over the recorded version. And so I go to the albums and I find, you know, Terrapin Station and just look cool with the turtles on the cover and then, you know, press shuffle and Terrapin Station starts to play and it's probably still one of my favorite songs to this day but it was a, a huge moment for me and then you know everything kind of fell into place after that you know I found out my dad actually went to a show in the early 90s and then I found out that my uncle is a dad had had no idea about that and he kind of you know told me he's like you got to check out the live music and he told me about you know the re-listen app and then from there I just kind of got obsessed with it and I'm here now I it's it's amazing I went to a dead and company show this summer and you know the music was great but it was the people really that kind of did it for me i'm like wow these are just awesome people it's you know it was something i've never experienced before so it was really cool so what show did you go to this summer uh, yeah i went to the one in foxborough in boston the boston show oh nice. it was it was it was pretty cool it got rained out a little bit but a, a funny story actually so i was i went with my uh, my girlfriend and we were walking we went to like an olive garden nearby and we were walking from there to the, to the venue and some guy was walking with like a, I don't know why, but he was walking with like a canoe paddle. And I just heard someone yell at him, row, Jimmy row. I was like, wow, like this is just, it's awesome. So definitely looking forward to going to some more this summer. Yeah. Same here. Cool, Ben. Well, thanks so much for, for doing it. And um, you went up against some incredibly yeah. stiff competition with of people yeah. with more than one year under their belt. So <laughs> thanks for being here. 
Yeah. Good luck, guys. Okay. Mike, Josh, Todd, and Barry are on to the next round. Trying to whittle it down to three, then two, then one. Let's play the next song. Sugar Mag at New Haven Coliseum on May 5th, 1977. The song concluded the second set, which started with Bertha, then went Estimated, Scarlet Fire, Good Love, and St. Stephen before Sugar Mag, then Johnny B. Good Encore. Well, Barry, Josh, and Todd all got it exactly. And Mike was one year off. <laughs> We're talking some razor thin margins here. Um, Josh, we'll start with you. Uh, how'd you uh, diagnose 77? Well, I thought you might be trying to be sneaky and not put a 77 in there because they're just so darn like uh, recognizable. Um, I, th I was like, maybe it's 78 because, but it, I don't know. I've just, I think I've listened to the whole year. I think it just, it, it has a certain sound to it. And plus then they, did you notice how at the beginning it was like, they started doing the disco thing that they do like on a couple different songs in that around that time. And so that kind of, and then, I, and then you could hear, you could hear Donna in there. Um, and yeah, that was grooving. I like, I was getting into it, enjoying that one. Cool, Josh. Nice work. You're on the next round. Todd, anything you want to add to that? 77 is 77. Um, it's got heavy reverb all across the guitar, but all the vocals and the drums, it's a, a nice, thick, even sound. Uh, Mike was talking about uh, Betty Cantor Jackson, Betty boards. And a lot of times we hear 77 on Betty boards. This seemed more like an audience recording or some other multi-generation. So it didn't necessarily have that classic like snap, like when we listen to Barton Hall or something like that. But I could hear a, a single coil guitars all the way around. Uh, Garcia's playing a Travis Bean with some weird special pickups that are very snappy. Uh, they sound like a Stratocaster in its second phased position. It's got a real snap to it. And yeah, just super characteristic of, of that time. 
and even May 77, didn't May 77 have its own sound in particular? I totally agree. I had a May 15th tape and I played it 849 times in my car because it flipped, it flipped automatically, you know, and I memorized it and it, it had the same sound as what you just played. Uh, like it's coming through a sort of a, a haze or a fog. There's a real sort of misty sound over everything. It's not, it's not real clear. There's a bit of a hiss to almost everything uh, from May for whatever reason. Thanks, Todd. Barry, you also got it correctly. You're also on the next round. Anything you want to add to the breakdowns here? No, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of, it sounded late 70s to me, so I just threw it out there because that's a great example. That's definitely like, you can tell that whoever taped that um, was still like, there was like a little, like, there was like a, uh, there were a couple little noises that you're like, oh, he's like, adjusting his recorder or whatever so and and i love that kind of thing um i'm sure some people don't would like probably prefer the listening to the betty board but i um i just yeah to go just like a it was a little guess there but that was a uh, that's a sounds like a good one so you like hearing the taper tape i i'm fascinated by the taper like um i think it's easily one of the things that drew me in like seeing like, um, cause when I was a kid, I read relics and, um, like Dupree's diamond, like a lot, like, you know, this is like mid nineties. And, uh, when there would be articles about tapers, I'd be like, Oh, that's so interesting. Like everybody should allow people to tape their stuff. Um, and then like, uh, I loved, like, um, I loved seeing just like seeing pictures of like dude setups from like the eighties or the seventies, just like what you had to schlep in to like into a concert that like like thousands of people there but you're like bringing in like a ton of equipment that is like the cool like the most sincere i think form of flattery that you could do for like a band it it just show, shows such dedication and passion especially if you look on re-listen how many how many of those recordings are from charlie miller like they're all Charlie Miller. They all sound really good. Not not all of them, but like he was like I he must have been the like one of the top dudes doing it out there. Like his dubs were just like carried generationally. And that's why we still listen to them today and they still sound amazing. Yeah, I'd say a good twenty five percent of the songs I play on the show are Charlie Miller. Maybe more. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he's still doing it. Holy shit. Yeah, I think he's still out there and he's still like he's still somewhere like talking about trading and, and stuff like that and, and taping shows. Oh, he definitely is. I saw him a couple weeks ago. There you go. <laughs> At uh, Steve Kimmock's show. There you Holy go. Holy shit. Yeah. Do you have nice. a big old rig? Uh, he was working with the band. Oh. So he was kind of on the side doing a mix. That's sick. Mike, you guessed 1978. You were one yeah. year off and uh, in this competition... <laughs> <laughs> Margins are slim. Uh, yeah. Why? I guess I don't know. Why seventy eight? Yeah, that that kind of cut time in the intro and and the quality of the tape threw me off. I just and then Bill's or Phil Bill Phil's Phil's bass was super fat, so I just I thought seventy eight for a hot minute. Typed it in and then I thought they wouldn't put seventy seven in here, would they? You know, like I wouldn't. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> just kidding, but. You know, it's like, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I guess 77 was super obvious and I probably should have put that in, but nope, 78, it, it was, you know, so 
that was my thought process too as I was choosing the song. I was like, nah, too obvious. So I was like, ah, but, like, but maybe but, they would, but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> reverse, um, reverse psychology. Yeah, no, Mike. But, so uh, <laughs> you've um, clearly incredibly knowledgeable. You, you've got the encyclopedia of tapers, and you know, um, what? How'd you get into the dead, and how did you end up really into the dead? Yeah, yeah. So I was fourteen, and Garcia had just passed away like the year before. I still remember Peter Jennings had his. Uh, deadhead tie on like abc news it was my first year of high school and buddy of mine hands me a tape it's working man's dead and it was everything i was looking for was digging in my parents uh, records and found led zeppelin 2 and i was like this is cool but like this isn't it you know like and then when he handed me working man's dead i was like oh shit you know this is this is it and uh went to a record store here in, in philadelphia and there was a box of uh tapes just like with labels on them with with pen no no uh, cassette holder you know um no case right and uh they were all live dead tapes i picked up five eight seventy seven for like two dollars and i know you're not supposed to sell them but the guy did me a, a big favor in the grand scheme of things you know um i had roscoe maples pavilion from 73 and fillmore east 429 71 and i eventually got like set two or one of the other you know in the years to come but that was that just i listened to that shit i still have those tapes i still have hundreds of tapes because i was on the tail end of taping into cds into streaming you know so but uh yeah ever since i had i didn't look back got into shows and just love it i mean it's it's a it's a whole other world you wouldn't know watching the evening news you know philly is a big city for grateful dead yeah. I would say an outsized presence on Guest of the Year and an out, like, oh. there's a huge um, city for Grateful Dead. Why do you think that is? What do you think about the spirit of Philly and the Grateful Dead? What's resonating there? Um, well, they did play the Spectrum 50 times, right? That, that helps. That helps, right? But um, no, I mean, there's this like, you know, it's an, it's an immigrant city, right? You know, there's this thirst for authenticity, looking back to the old world. And there's a lot of musical styles that came here. There's the great migration from the South. There's these old pictures of guys playing banjo. There's a real thirst for authenticity here in Philadelphia. And I think the dead satisfies that for a lot of people that's not on the mainstream radio, right? Um, I, I, you know, I, I looked at Garcia's history, right? And I was like, well, you know, he, he was a banjo purist and then he started playing guitar and, or wh whatever the chronology is there, right? But like, you know, he really got into things, into the folk music and, I've since picked up the banjo a little bit and fiddle around a little bit, but like, you know, there's, there's just this authenticity with the dead that you really don't find anywhere else, you know, in my opinion, in their, in their sphere, so to speak. And they were just in it for the music. There wasn't any bullshit there. There wasn't like, we're going to go up, we're going to play the same set, you know, 20 songs and just make money and, and sell tickets. It, it was just this, this huge thing. I mean, it just, just kind of exponentially grew year after year, you know, and I, I it, it just, it just centers me in a way that no other music really can. Well put Mike, thank you so much for being here. I'm sorry. You yeah. lost by one year <laughs> on a 70 fucking seven. I'm sorry. No, um, no, sorry. Sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really appreciate you being here. It's good chatting. You guys take care. Okay. Best of luck. Okay, Barry, Todd, and Josh are on to the next round. They are competing for two spots in the best of three series to see who gets the Looks Legit prize pack. Let's hear the song.
guesses are in it was loser at riverfront coliseum in cincinnati on april 8th 1989 loser appeared in the dead's live rotation every year after its release in 1971 except for 1975 when the band only played four shows barry you got it exactly you guessed 1989 however todd guessed 1988 josh guessed 1990 so we're at a stalemate everyone uh goes on to the next round. But Barry, you're the one that got it exactly. What'd you hear there? I think we all heard Jerry sound a little haggard, but there was still some life in his voice. So it wasn't like 90s Jerry. It was like almost 90s Jerry. And then Brent, I heard Brent's, like I was like, I don't, I, I was like, I know this could be like 90s or like obviously late 80s, but I was like, I couldn't really hear the keyboard until I heard he was playing. Like I heard that organ. I knew that wasn't Vince. I was like, Oh, that's Brent. So it's like nearing the end of the end of Brent's time there. And, and Jerry sounding like the way he did. I was like, uh, I, I kind of just guesstimated, but, um, unpopular opinion. I love late eighties dead. Like I love it. So, and that's like what I typically put on if I'm going to listen to a show. So I think I kind of knew that was like in the time period. What is it about Lady Is Dead that you dig so much? Good question. I love that they, they're getting a little bit more, there's like some technology being brought into the, into the fold, but I love Brent. And I think Brent really hit his stride. Like, I, I don't know. I just, those, those shows kind of, it's just what I, what I'm drawn to. Um, I'll listen to late seventies or late eighties. And that's really where, um, I do most of my listening. So yeah. Yeah. It paid off here. Nailed it. All right. All right. Um, Josh, you guessed 1990, only one year off. We're, we're still in the same place. Anything you want to add? Why 90? Kind of had the same thought process of, of Jerry sounding a little bit tired on the vocals, Brent still being there. Um, yeah, just you know, kind of took a, just took a stab at. It. I knew it was the late '80s, um, which I dig too. There's a lot of really high. I was gonna say there's a lot of high quality like recordings from, like that 1988, 1989 stuff. Sounds really good. Um, and I do. I like listening to those too. 
post coma years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Todd, you guessed 1988. Yeah, only one year off, but for you, that's a, a noteworthy. Uh, what uh, <laughs> what'd you hear there? So I just got to say, I also really love uh, late 90s dead. I started to see the dead in 1987, and I'm especially angry with myself because I was at this show in Cincinnati in 1989. A uh, bunch of us from school took a short sort of mid Midwestern uh, tour. We did Louisville. We did this show. I think there was a uh, another couple of shows. It's hard to remember uh, in there. Uh, Josh is right. There's some really great recordings out there, and they tend to be sort of later, 88 and, and 89. Um, I don't know. It, it, it sounded a lot like an old Frost Amphitheater 88 tape that I had. Um, as far as, you know, picking out sort of that late, uh, late 90s thing. Bob's guitar was kind of sharp and distorted. It wasn't uh, clean and pretty. It had some angular uh, meanness to it in a couple of places. And the bass, right? Phil's bass is so clear, so articulate, note for note. It's not pounding your chest at all. It's really uh, tight, uh, tight bass sound. Uh, so uh, yeah, I was six months off and uh, I was at the show that you played. So I'm not real happy with myself <laughs> right now. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy we're all going on because this is an amazing, amazing crowd and, a, and an amazing, amazing show tonight. I completely agree. Happy to see everyone go on to the next round. We're still trying to winnow it down to two. Let's hear the song. the guesses are in turn on your love light at madison square garden on september 10th 1991 in this his third appearance with the dead branford marsalis played with the band for the entire show for the first time 
Todd was closest in 1992. Todd, you're on to the finals, one step closer to defending your title. Did you hear Branford there? You know, honestly, I thought it was Clarence Clemens, but Branford didn't come to mind. Maybe if it had been Birdsong or Darkstar, I would have known that it was, you know, Branford's absolute talent. Uh, Clarence was no slouch, but Love Light would have been more of a Clarence song. So I, I thought it was Clarence. I didn't know 91 or 92. Uh, late 90s is not my best time frame for the dead. Uh, I've listened to it the least. I saw the least shows of what I saw uh, uh, post 90. Um, oh, the Garcia playing the sort of the sax sound on his guitar, the saxophone MIDI sound, uh, playing the Love Light theme on his guitar for almost the whole time uh, as well. Really, really leaning into it in that that early mid middle early 90s. Nice, Todd. Well, you're on to the finals. Sweet. Joining you will be Josh, who guessed 1989. Barry, who guessed 1987. <laughs> um, Josh, 89. Uh, why 89? I was thinking kind of the same thing. I, was, I, was, I wasn't thinking that was Bramford, so it made me think of uh, Clarence, but I did, that was still kind of a guess. Um, and then I thought for a second that that organ was was Brent. I have to admit, I just, it, it did sound like, it kind of sounded like an organ, so, and that threw me off a little bit. Well, you're on to the finals, Josh. I can't believe it by the skin. <laughs> Barry, 87. Talk to us. I, I knew it was Brantford. I completely blanked on the year. I thought it was, I was like, it's either, um, it's either uh, Long Island or, or New York. I knew it was MSG. I knew Brantford there. I didn't, I I don't know why I didn't know it was 91. That was so stupid on my behalf, but I like knew the other details. I just didn't know the year. So, so ah. you like had this picture in your brain of Brantford on stage at MSG. Oh, I, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I totally, I, I totally knew. Yeah. But, oh God, you know, I just, uh, but you, uh, I am honestly surprised I made it this far. So I, I, Consider this a win for myself. <laughs> yeah, you knocked off three people. Tough competition, too. How did you get into the dead? Um, I went to a summer camp uh, in North Brunswick, New Jersey, for like 15 years. And every time the dead would come to um, Giant Stadium, because they would like basically every summer, half of the counselors were like out the next day because... <laughs> and then they would like come back wearing like their, their like the shirts that they picked up in the lot and i was like what are all those shirts with like calvin and Hobbes and the simpsons and i was like i i was like it, they look so cheap um and then i like i like when i was like maybe 13 i like bought my first 13 or 14 i bought like a dead shirt before I actually even knew like the dead music. Like I was that kid and somebody was like, I don't think you even like the Grateful Dead. I was like, I do. And I can prove it. And like that day I like went out and bought Terrapin and um, that kind of like got me on the bus. I was, I think it was, I think that was like the summer of 95. And um, like, I went back to school that year and just started like studying them at the library. I was just like, every day I was like, trying to find anything I could find on like on these guys and like really and then I I started trading tapes in high school and um just like looking for anybody that would like make me a dub and like I had a pretty good collection then I like gave it away and um 
And then um, still like would listen, but I got like really into like punk and hardcore, but I was like still listening to the dead. I was still going to see like Dave Matthews. I was like that kid that was like kind of into like both things. And um, yeah, kind of like got a little out of touch. And then when they started, like, I think Fairly Well kind of like sparked it up for me again. I've seen Dead & Co. like a bunch. I've, I go with my best friends. Like it's, you know, it's, uh, it's the best time. And, um, and, uh, and also uh, like Mason, like doing From the Lot on Instagram, like it, it got me into like, I've never, I never really stopped collecting shirts um, I did, I did for a while, but then I like picked it up again and I, I, I amassed a pretty big collection and, um, yeah, it's just like, it's the Grateful Dead has easily become like my favorite hobby. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, and then like this show, like your podcast, like has definitely introduced eras that I was like, Ooh, I, I'm not familiar with this era, but I like I'm going to start listening more. That's really great to hear um, about the show. It's taught me a shit ton about the Grateful Dead too, just listening to all of you guys. So, Also, I've been noticing there's a trend that on the show of people who, like John from a couple episodes ago, and there have been a few people who started out in hardcore scenes and gravitated towards the dead. On the surface, it doesn't seem like those two things have a lot in common, sonically, I guess. But culture-wise, what is going on there? Why is hardcore a feeder to the the Grateful Dead? Um, when you look at like the Dead and their um, kind of like their ethos, this is this is nothing new. This is like me just kind of like, you know, saying the same thing that you could have seen in like that documentary on Amazon. Um, they kind of had like this thing where it was like, you got, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want and we're going to make music and we're just going to like, it's going to be available. And that's basically what like, kind of like punk is too. It's like, you have to have people who are like passionate about it. You have to have people who want to like discover it and you want to like, you, you find in people you know, this common factor, this common love, it's a, it's, it's punk and hardcore is unlike anything else, any other music genre. And it's, it's the same for the Grateful Dead. There is this identity within the, within both scenes that you kind of like have to really have this passion for it. Love it. Beautiful, Barry. Thank you so much for. for Sorry if I got a bit rambly. No, no, that's what I. All day. That's what the podcast is for. I don't have enough people to discuss this with, and I could talk about it all day long. Thanks, Barry. Okay. Todd and Josh are on to the best of three series to see who wins the Looks Legit prize pack. Let's, uh, Let's play the song.
Okay. It was born cross-eyed at Crystal Ballroom in Portland, Oregon on February 2nd, 1968. Born cross-eyed was played 12 times, all in 1968, then never played again. Unless you count the Fairly Well shows, where the Grateful Dead busted it out after a 47-year hiatus. <laughs> Josh is shaking his head. He does not count the Fairly Well shows. And Josh also was closer in 1967. Todd guessed 1966. Josh, one year off. Why 67? Well, it just sounded so early with that um, that organ and a song that I didn't really know much about. So I was like, okay, it's got to be one of the first couple years. And I didn't think it would be like the very first because it sounded like it was, you know, it was, it was kind of tight. So I was thinking, you know, I don't know, somewhere in there. I took a stab at that one as well. Just I knew it was somewhere in there, 67, 8, 9, somewhere in there. Just had kind of a, that, that era has like a certain sound for sure. That's that's pretty recognizable, and um, it was cool. I was digging it. I'm going to have to go back and, and check that one out some more. Yeah, I, I'd never heard that song before. I just heard it on a show, and I thought it'd be good for this show. Josh, I've been waiting the entire time to hear how you got into the dead. You're a really talented musician. Um, I guess you play, it's kind of like rock slash bluegrass, and you play an acoustic guitar. Um, yeah. How'd you get into the dead? How'd you become a musician? And are the two linked? Oh, of course. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, yeah, I'm just a huge fan, you know, I'm a huge fan of all kinds of music, but especially the dead and, uh, you know, just being a kid and being in the South, we were, we were into widespread panic and things like that when I was, you know, kid and I was only 15 when Jerry died. So, you know, uh, never saw uh, Jerry Garcia, but but soon after that kind of uh, started going to Further Fest, I think was the first dead kind of adjacent thing that I ever experienced. And just, you know, since then, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of performances of all kinds of things, and including that Fare Thee Well, which was, you know, I got to say one of the coolest experiences of my life was going to that Fare Thee Well there in Chicago and just seeing how everyone was just so happy to be there and just it was it was a really cool um, concert experience I would put up there with you know my top of all time and uh, you know just I love playing music and I've been playing music my whole life that's what I do for a living I, I tour and and collaborate and write songs and record and and I've I've gotten to uh, even just dive more into the dead in the past couple of years. And, and, and I, I play a lot of those songs on, you know, special occasions and, and things like that. I'm, I'm actually going to uh, Costa Rica here in March to play at the grateful hotel. There's like a, a like a small, a small resort. That's a, a deadhead run place. And I'm playing, you know, five nights in a row there. And, and a bunch of my people are coming to watch me. And so that'll be a, a you know, a dead heavy set. And um, you know, it, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, in addition to putting out, you know, my own tunes and stuff, stuff like that, I was just, uh, just today in the studio here in Charlotte mixing, um, my new single coming out. It's, uh, it's called melody and super pumped because I have my buddy, Andy Thorne from, uh, leftover salmons playing, um, banjo on it. And, uh, Jeremy from the infamous string dusters plays fiddle on it. And it's, it's really cool. So I hope you guys will check it out. And, uh, yeah, just what's you know. your uh, what's your Instagram handle? I'll put it in the notes too. But what's it's your... uh, it's Josh Daniel underscore music. Cool, got it. So in addition to your original music, you uh, you cover a lot of dead songs. 
I go back and forth with it. You know, uh, I do shows that I do a lot of dead stuff. I do shows that I do none. I don't know. I love it all. You know, I love playing those tunes and people love hearing them. And I, you know, I think it's important though to, I mean, the grateful dead would tell you to continue and, 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 and keep creating new things and going new places with songs. And that's what I always try to do either way, either with the dead stuff or, and especially with my own stuff. So it's, uh, you know, I'm heavily in, influenced by it and I love their, their work ethic and their kind of do it yourself, um, attitude, which, uh, you know, they pioneered so many, so many things that I've looked at with my own, um, fans and, and people that listen to me. And I try to do a lot of the same things and just, you know, with, within changing up the set lists and, uh, you know, just communicating and making a community. I think that's what, that's what the dead's all about. And that's what I'm all about too, is just, you know, coming together as a community and, and spreading some love into the world. That's what it's all about for me. Beautiful. Well put, Josh. You are up one zero in the series. Todd, you guessed 1966, two years off from 1968. Were you familiar with that song? I thought it was New Potato Caboose. I didn't know it was Born and Cross-Eyed. I was, I was busy trying to listen to, to the instruments and to the music. I clearly should have known if it was only played in that year. Uh, but it, they sounded so loose, right? And it sounded uh, uh, just kind of a bit of a reckless abandon. And, and if that was Mickey on drums, there was some really uh, you know, weird, awkward fills in there. And like we talked about last time, uh, the early 60s, you know, they hadn't quite mellowed out to the point where they were pretty polished in the late 60s so to me that just did not sound like it was from 68 i'm super surprised and bummed that i'm off by two years but uh it's all good well there's plenty of ball game left but josh is up one zero in the series he needs this one to get the looks legit prize pack todd needs this one to tie it up and force a game three let's hear the song Texas down to El Paso Fell in love with a Mexican girl My time would find me in Rosa's Cantina Music would play in Felina Woodworth Back in the night were the eyes of Felina Wicked and evil while casting a spell My love was strong for this Mexican man I was in love Okay, El Paso at Winterland on February 2nd, 1974. 
Country America ranked El Paso, a Marty Robbins cover released in 1959, as the sixth best country song ever. Todd got it exactly. In 1974, he ties up the series. Josh was two years off in 1972. Todd, how'd you uh, suss out in 1974? It sounded really clearly like 73 or 74 to me. Uh, the vocals, they switch vocal mics when they get the wall of sound and they've got this funky noise canceling thing. It's actually two microphones. Uh, because the speakers are behind them and they would normally feed back through a microphone. So they invented a way to avoid that feedback. And the vocals have a real compressed, non-dynamic uh, quality to them. And, and it's just other things about 73 and 74, big open sound. Um, and for me, it ended up being Jerry's uh, guitar sound is super clean, super, super clean, very bell-like tone. Um, and it, it got cleaner into 74, but I, then I got, I got worried it was 73. It sounds a lot like the Kazar Stadium 73 shows uh, that particular source does, uh, but I'll take a 74 on that. Awesome. Josh, only two years off. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking it was like maybe Europe 72 or something. I don't know. I was, I was off. It was that good of a recording, I will say. That it was a good record. It was. It was It was definitely a good one. Cool. Well, it's Tide series now. This is why I play Guess the Year for <laughs> moments like this. Decisive Game 3. Let's play the song. So it looks from space A closer look reveals the human race Full of hope, full of grace Is the human race But afraid We can There's a fear down here we can't forget Hasn't got a name just yet Always awake, always around Singing ashes, ashes all fall down Ashes, ashes all fall down Now watch the ball revolve in the nighttime balls And again the hood begins and again the blood with colors Fine guests are in throwing stones at alpine valley music theater on june 22nd 1985 in the darks throwing stones was released as a single and the b-side was when push comes to shove todd guess 1986 he he defends his title because josh guessed 1989 
<laughs> terrible, Todd. terrible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nice comeback. It's rare to see a comeback in the finals uh. like that. I, I don't think it's been done in a little while. Maybe Luke did it, I think. It's 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 tough to do. Nice work. You are Thank the you. repeat champ of guest of the year. Woo-hoo. You guess eighty six, it was eighty five, same idea. Why eighty six? Uh so the first thing I wrote down was eighty seven just because it had, again, that audio quality of, of tapes or of the mix or of the soundboard or of the band in general at that time. But I quickly came to realize that Brent's keyboards were doing stuff that he did early in Throwing Stones sort of time uh, rather than later. Um, and so I thought about before 1987, I've, I had an old tape from the summer shows in Berkeley in 84 that had a Throwing Stones on it with a very different sound, really high keyboard mix. And they played it super, super fast. So I knew it wasn't that old. Didn't sound like 84. Uh, I wrote down 85 and underlined it three times uh, because, <laughs> uh, because Jerry's uh, guitar, I, we couldn't hear him sing. That would have really helped. But his guitar sounded like uh, really large fingers on a guitar keyboard. And that was kind of new for him. He uh, his body type changed a lot over the, the course of 83, 84, 85. And by 85, he was as, as large of a man as he ever was. And that had a huge effect on his voice, but also a huge effect on his, his fingers on the guitar fretboard. Uh, and so I decided to cut my cut it straight down the middle and go with 1986. Wow. You can hear his fingers on the frets, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, they say that 90% of, you know, the way a guitar player sounds is their, their fingers on the fretboard. You could, you know, guitar player can kick, pick up anyone's guitar and anyone's amplifier and you know, twirl the dials a couple times and sound like themselves. And that's because it's really a human endeavor. Uh, and uh, Garcia was, you know, obviously no different than anybody else. But uh, just like anything else, as your weight changes, the way that you interact, your voice changes and the way that you interact, your finger size, the mass is different. Um, what you can do with your hands is different. It really shows up. He's got a heavy, heavy hand in 85. His bends are really, really big. And it's got, a, again, a real clear uh, bell-like tone. Wow. You saved your greatest trick for last. That's incredible. <laughs> I'll tell you what. When I was, uh, when I was trading tapes in college, uh, in between seeing the dead in the late 90s, my, my friends had lots of of mid eighties tapes. So I listened to a lot of 84, 85, 86 uh, and came to love that whole uh, uh, progression uh, as well. So I love that era. I love just about all the eras, but that, that mid eighties, uh, I think has some really, really interesting stuff to suss out. You have to get past a lot of vocal flubs. You gotta get past a lot of missed cues. Uh, and then there'll be a solo that absolutely brings it, you know, like no other. Well, great breakdown, Todd. Congratulations on the prize pack, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, I knew. You know, I, uh, I, I knew there was no, <laughs> there was no way I was going to beat Todd. Holy cow! This, <laughs> this this dude is the best podcast guest you've ever had. Uh, I mean, yeah, you don't yeah, even need I mean, a show. Here's the new show. Here's the new show for you. We just let Todd <laughs> tell us about all these shows. This is freaking <laughs> awesome. I know. Todd, will you will you review my music and 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 tell me uh, talk to me like that? This is amazing. I would love to. I would love to. Awesome. Congrats on the win. Thanks, man. You Thanks. Uh, you you know more. You totally got. You know more than me about the dead. You really did. <laughs> you're. My I wife so will be am- proud that there's someone nerdier than me because nice. she thought I was totally nerd now. Nice. Josh, what's your favorite dead song to play? 
uh favorite song to play probably terrapin i like to i've got it wow. i do it i do it solo with loops and stuff i'll send you i'll send you a link to it and it's wow. uh yeah. it's definitely That's one intense. of the ones it's one of the ones that i've i've been able to to figure out and and have a lot of fun playing so but there's so many i, I probably i was I, I never counted but i i got at least i could play at least 50 or so probably holy shit you remember the lyrics too uh a lot of them a lot of them some of them I, some of them i have to have a cheat sheet but um there there's so many good ones and then there's like ones that i like oh man i've never tried that and i want to try it you know just because it's like you hear i mean there's so many songs it's it's crazy how like sometimes you'll even like come across one you've never even heard before <laughs> like i've been listening to these guys forever and i swear i think i've listened to like every year and yeah. then it's like there's some random song they did two times or something you know well, Josh, one more time. Yeah. Your whatever people need to access your stuff, your Instagram handle, but is there another like website or anything? Yeah, like just joshdanielmusic.com. Cool. Yeah. Okay, subscribe to Guest of the Year on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For all of our links, you can go to guestoftheyear.net. For show updates, follow us at Guest of the Year Show on Instagram. And if you want to be a contestant on the show, sponsor the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at guestoftheyearshow at gmail.com. Thanks so much to Looks Legit for providing the prize pack. Again, they do amazing work. Justin is a, is a real artist. Thanks so much, Justin. And thank you to Mason. Thank you to At From The Lot for curating the prize packs every week. Thank you so much for listening. For the fun facts, I relied heavily on Dead.net, Dead Disc, and Grateful Dead of the Day and their commenters, so thank you so much to them. Thanks to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Congratulations to our back-to-back champion, Todd who we will see next week. And to our other contestants, thanks so much for playing. And remember, it's all one song anyways. And I bid you good night. Good night. Good night. And I bid you good night. Good night.